0: Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at TNTradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. You're listening to Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: From the Rocky Mountains of Denver, Colorado, my name is Charlie Robinson. Thanks for hanging out with me for the next hour and getting weird let's jump right into headlines for this Tuesday December 12th 2023 rumble one of the homes to this show was hit with an unprecedented cyber attack after posting January 6 security cam footage 135 clips have been posted each about 10 minutes in duration uh, that did not blur out the faces of the hundreds of federal agents that were covertly provoking the crowd. Gee, I wonder why the cyber attack happened to Rumble. That's really mysterious. I'm sure that they'll get right on fixing that. Um, Actually, from what I hear, Rumble is back up and running, but this is to be expected when you post inconvenient footage of events that the federal government is trying to desperately hide. Don't expect your live stream to be up for much longer. Good thanks to uh, the people over at Rumble for, you know, having the guts to put this out there and letting the people decide for themselves. Uh, Democrats enlist Russia hoaxer Hillary Clinton into Biden re-election effort, according to Zero Hedge, which I assume means pushing him down a flight of stairs. Uh, When Hillary Clinton is the answer to the election question, um what exactly is the question after all uh, Hillary does not exactly have the best record but I'm sure she's going to come in to quote help in any way she can hey AAA A expects 7.5 million air travelers this holiday season in the United States which would set the record the TSA can now steal your Christmas gifts as well as your money and valuable electronic devices And lastly, furious Al Gore blasts COP28, on the verge of complete failure, we will file this under how dare you. The world desperately needs to phase out fossil fuels as quickly as possible, but this obsequious draft reads as if OPEC dictated it word for word. Okay, settle down, settle down, climate grifter Al Gore, let me explain to the people what's actually going on here. You see, the term fossil fuel was developed by the Rockefellers as the pretext to create a scarcity uh, concept into the minds of people that were dealing with the oil industry. It's not as scarce of a resource as people would uh, be led to believe the Rockefellers are behind that. They are the ones that created the term fossil fuel as if it came from the fossils of deceased dinosaurs. All of this is totally nonsense, of course, but that doesn't stop the general public from believing it. Now, OPEC itself was also created by Kissinger and David Rockefeller. So we're starting to notice a pattern here when they put together the petrodollar arrangement in the early 1970s. And global warming, the hoax that was created by the Club of Rome, was started by two guys, Dr. Alexander King. And would you like to take a guess who the other guy was? Oh, yeah, David Rockefeller. Starting to notice a pattern here when it comes to the oil and gas industry and the climate change alarmist uh, narrative that's being... foisted upon the general public. Carbon tax hustle. This is something that was taught to Al Gore by his very good friend, Ken Lay, who was the CEO of Enron, who was sentenced to 25 years in prison, but never actually served it because he wound up dying of a heart attack. This is what Enron was involved in. Cap and trade, carbon tax credits. This is the point. This is why Al Gore is involved in this. This isn't about saving the environment. This isn't about skinny polar bears drifting away on ice flows. This is about paying a carbon tax in order to finance a world government that's not my opinion that that's what this is I, I i i happen to agree with this but only because i read the book the limits to growth by the club of rome the same institution that david rockefeller was uh, was a co-founder of and in that book that was released in the early 70s the same time the petrodollar arrangement was being put together they talked about how they would use the pretext of global warming and climate change as the policy that would unite humanity against humanity. It would unite mankind fighting an invisible enemy that's just around the corner is definitely going to get you unless you pay more taxes to the government. So this has been something that's been going on for a long, long time. It's been 50 years in the making. This is performance art, what Al Gore is doing. Uh, when he stands up at the at the COP summit and, and, and screams about how the oil companies are destroying the world... Listen, who started the COP summit? Maurice Strong. He got his start at the United Nations by David Rockefeller when he was seventeen years old. This is all a gigantic scam. It's part of the carbon tax hustle. I call that. If you're interested, you can find out. You can find more about that at my podcast Macro Aggressions, where I've gone into great detail about this very topic several years ago. So it's nothing new. Expect more of it. Al Gore flies in on his private jet to lecture us about the emissions caused from private jets oh boy you can't make this stuff up hey at tnt radio we never go home we are committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time we broadcast live 24 7 online globally no matter what we've got you covered on tnt radio
0: Be a part of the conversation i want representation i can trust have your say biden isn't doing enough this is today's news talk radio tnt
1: on monday a federal jury ruled in favor of epic games the developer of the wildly popular video game fortnite in its antitrust lawsuit against google accusing the internet giant of illegally operating as a monopoly on android apps here with the story joining me is tnt radio news producer adam clark aka ruckus oh adam this is this is right up my alley boy i'm so glad you're covering this story this is this needs to be discussed what did you find um was going on with the uh, solution of this or the the finalization of this antitrust lawsuit
2: it's it's an epic one it's been going on for a little while um it's certainly good news for epic that's the name of the company so it forgives some of these puns but uh epic games they, they did of course make the extremely popular, Fortnite. I don't know if you've ever played it. I actually have not, but I've seen lots of people playing it on YouTube and Twitch and whatnot. Um, But it's been three years now since they sued Apple uh, and Google for allegedly running illegal app store monopolies, and Epic now has a win. The jury in the case Epic v. Google has just delivered its verdict, and it found that Google turned its Google Play app store and Google Play billing service into an unlawful, illegal monopoly. No, not the board game, The you know, the bad kind. Um... <laughs> pretty intense. The jury actually reached a unanimous consensus on all of the questions that were presented to them, uh, affirming that Google possesses monopolistic control in both the Android app distribution and in app billing service sectors. Jurors concurred that Google engaged in practices that stifled competition within these markets, resulting in harm to Epic Games, i.e. there's a victim here who, of course, as I mentioned, is the maker of the uh, aforementioned uh, Fortnite video game. Uh, They make other stuff, of course. Furthermore, the jury concluded that Google unlawfully linked its Google Play App Store with its Google Play billing payment services. They also found that Google's distribution agreements, its Project Hug initiatives with game developers, and its contracts with... OEMs, original equipment manufacturers, were similarly detrimental to competition. Yikes. Um... I think this trial was going on for four weeks. It featured testimony from key executives, including Google's CEO Sundar Pichai and Epic's CEO Tim Sweeney. Who, by the way, uh, Sweeney uh, tweeted about this, or Xed, or posted, whatever you call it. Uh, he said, "Quote victory over Google." End quote. <laughs> so that was that was fun um, for the part of the company uh, on their. Blog uh, Epic Games said, quote, Today's verdict is a win for all app developers and consumers around the world. It proves that Google's app store practices are illegal and they abuse their monopoly monopoly to extract exorbitant fees, stifle competition, and reduce innovation, end quote. Uh, The Verge calls it a historic victory, particularly since Epic mostly lost its fight against Apple two years ago. Uh, apparently, the judge there, Yvonne Gonzalez Rogers, decided that fight had nothing to do with apps. But this case turned out to be very different. Uh, it hinged on secret revenue sharing sharing deals between Google, smartphone makers, big game developers, ones that Google execs internally believed were designed to keep rival app stores down. It showed that Google was running scared of Epic specifically, and it was all decided by a jury unlike the apple ruling, uh ruling excuse me now at this point charlie we don't know what epic has won uh that's up to judge uh the judge is james donato uh who will decide what the appropriate remedies might be uh interestingly to note here epic never sued for any monetary damages it just wants the court to tell google that every app developer a developer has total freedom to introduce its own app stores and its own billing systems on Android. And we don't yet know how or even whether the judge might grant those wishes. Uh, apparently, both parties will meet with Judge Donato in the second week of January to discuss the potential remedies. Uh, and then real quick, on the other side, they are going to appeal, I believe. Yep. The VP of Government Affairs and Public Policy at Google, Wilson White said that they are planning to basically appeal the verdict so there you have it Charlie what do you think
1: well I heard that they were also found to have destroyed evidence relevant to the trial (laughs) and so I mean is it time to bring back the uh don't be evil motto for Google or nah yeah
2: yeah, you know what uh they ditched that one uh that's kind of frightening to think what that means but yeah I don't know actually I didn't notice that in my reporting unfortunately sorry
1: Yeah, this is this is crazy. Well, here comes more lawsuits, really. I think that that's probably a good sign here that this opens the floodgate. You get a little legal precedent set there, even if it and and on on top of that, the fact that they were suing for zero dollars also kind of sets the tone that this isn't about money. This is about something else. And normally, you know, a lawsuit is about money. Now, they may, of course, decide that they are awarded damages but um the fact that they didn't go after that i think is is relevant and sort of uh maybe a component of this lawsuit that's uh, not getting a- enough attention because the fact that this is this is about principle this is about not just we're suing for us but we're suing for everybody that comes after us and it's not just google i'm, I'm sure this is i'm sure apple's attorneys are not thrilled with this because of their pending lawsuit so what do you think uh, the future holds for Google? Is this going to open the floodgates to uh, a bunch of follow-up lawsuits?
2: Well, you know, screw Google. I hope this opens up the door for more freedom. Um, Reclaim the Net, Who who is uh, somebody that I follow, their website, um, they, they had this to say about it as far as w- what this means. Uh, the implications of the ruling could be far-reaching. They say that it could embolden more developers to challenge the status quo. And I like that. I like that idea. So – uh, that's good. Um, now, moreover, they say it could also attract more regulatory scrutiny. Governments around the world are already eyeing big tech with a critical eye, and this ruling could be the catalyst for stricter regulations governing app stores and digital market marketplaces. Um, but in a broader sense, this could be the beginning of a more significant shift in the tech industry. Uh, they said, quote, we're talking about potential changes in how digital marketplaces operate, how tech companies wield their power and how they're regulated. It's a moment that could redefine the boundaries of tech monopolies, end quote. They call this verdict a watershed moment, and quote. It's a wake-up call to the tech giants and a beacon of hope for smaller players fighting for a level playing field, end quote. That's how I view it, Charlie. So I'm going to take this as an epic win for all the little guys.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it needs to happen as soon as possible too, because the Silicon Valley conglomerate, I mean, they, 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 we understand that the military industrial complex is evil because it leads to the direct death of people, but but we're starting to see that the technology side of things, and especially the emergence of artificial intelligence is going to play a huge role, not just in the military industrial complex, but just the overall control of the voices. So the sooner, the better that we re- rein in these technocrats, because if you go back and look through the list of Silicon Valley, leaders that are World Economic Forum Young Global Leader designated uh, over the last several years. You've got Larry Page and Sergey Brin, the two co-founders of Google. You've got Elon Musk. You have Bill Gates. You have Peter Thiel and now founders of Palantir. You have Jack Dorsey. You have Sam Altman. So there's a lot of World Economic Forum connected tech billionaires as well. And I, I love that this sends the message that when the courts get involved, You might have all the money in the world you might have a ton of influence and you might be able to shadow ban us but you will have to face off in court against the likes of epic and how epic is it that the video games are going to open the floodgate for uh, a lot of pain coming google's way it couldn't happen to a nicer company thanks for your report ruckus we appreciate
2: it thanks charlie
1: well, we will be back second half of the hour. We've got Mel K joining us. And right after the break, we've got the great Jay Dyer. Don't go anywhere. This is TNT Radio.
0: TNT Radio's Chris Smith. Despite being used to protect travelers from terrorists, hijackers, or violent drunks, or those who were drugged out as they board, and this has been going on since 1961, they won't be around this Thanksgiving. None of them. Air Marshals were always meant to be invisible. Well, you can guarantee that this Thanksgiving. Ironically, the Biden administration has been hijacking Air Marshals for all kinds of other duties, leaving the Passengers they were meant to guard and protect completely helpless. Air marshals have been lumbered with assisting the chaos on the southern border. They might be called air marshals, but an unknown number are now seconded to work on the ground. Maybe they're ground marshals now, marshalling illegal immigrants on the border and doing the job supposedly meant for the United States Customs and Border Protection. Where are they? Chris Smith on TNT Radio. Radio
3: works because of its ability to personalize to the
1: listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes.
0: There are so many new ways to access it, it's everywhere. To find out more, go to TNTRadio.live. We don't rock, rock. we talk. talk. Today's news talk TNT Radio. We're back with the Charlie Robinson
1: show. My first guest is the host of Jay's Analysis. You can go to jaysanalysis.com and become a premium member. Or maybe on Friday afternoons, you catch the fourth hour of InfoWars where he's the host for Alex Jones. Ladies and gentlemen, great Jay Dyer. Hey, Jay, how are you?
3: Hey Charlie, glad to be back with you. <clears throat> doing great. How are you? Well,
1: I'm I'm doing great. And and there's there's two major issues that I, I want to get into with you first and foremost, since we just brought up Alex Jones. He's back. He's back, baby. He's on. He's on X. He's been gone for a very long time. He's had a resurgence recently. He's been ta- he's been talking to Tucker Carlson, and so you know suddenly the conversation is you know what do we do with old Alex Jones here? So uh, you've been in that world and connected with Alex for a long, long time, and 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 as I mentioned, you host his show periodically as well. What does this mean for Alex Jones going forward?
3: I think for Alex, it's a sign of um resurrection in a way i think that you know the troubles that uh, alex and infowars have had for the last uh year or so due to the court cases i think this is a big uh, step in the right direction for him to be able to you know continue the operation you know he was worried that it would basically be shut down he would still be able to go and do podcasts but infowars as we know it you know might not exist um in this format so i think for him this is a way to um um continue the fight. I think he feels like he's back. Uh, you know, he wanted to kind of step away. He wanted to let other people step to the, to the foreground he said, but now he feels like, no, it's actually still time for him to get out there. So that's the way he sees it. Um, I think that's, I think it's great. I'm ready for, uh, for Infowars to be, you know, growing again and not, not under threat of being shut down due to kind of ridiculous, uh, you know, lawfare.
1: Yeah, we've got uh, Owen Schroer out of actual jail, Alex Jones out of ex-Twitter jail. It seems as though the tide is turning, but and not a minute too, too late either, because um, we've got boy i mean we've got all sorts of uh, operations it seems like uh, brewing in the background we've got uh, um the the talk of of possible we've cyber attack on rumble they were releasing the january 6th footage uh talking you know showing the the people that were unmasked unblurred i should say and um and it seems like we are you know i always joke that his his the name InfoWars for his show is so perfect because we really are in an information war. It's one of the things I really like about TNT is that they don't censor you. You know, they let you talk about the things that are important. Some of them are a little on the edge. And, and of course, we we need to get into that. We need to talk about these things because they're important for us. And and the And if you can't talk about it, well, then it festers and it grows and it turns into something else. Do you think over the last couple of years that's been the problem? with Alex Jones is that you've been so silenced that that the it, if you're a mainstream person that only gets their information from the normie channels, I mean, you still have this image in your head of Alex Jones growing horns and 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 dancing on the graves of children or things like that. The things that the media tells you, is just really not the case. And I understand Alex doesn't get every single thing right. And people want him to go harder against this group or ease off on this other group or whatever. And he's never going to make everybody happy. But but boy, I feel like in the for what we're up against, we're going to need every single voice that we can get. Um, how's how's the how's the vibe over there at Infowars? Is this is this the the resurgence that we need? Is this the calm before the storm? Is this the you know the lead up to twenty twenty four? I bet you, I bet you, they'd really like to keep those guys under wraps over there, Harrison and Owen and the crew. But um, that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Is this a a resurgence for the alternative media as in general?
3: Yeah, I think so, because it's a in a way it's a tipping point, you know, whatever people think about Elon's uh, motives. I don't know what his motives are, but I mean, it's really a shift, I think, in the paradigm. So now is the time for us to really become dominant. Legacy media is pretty much dead, I would say. Nobody watches it except boomers. and that's, that's, a again, limited time as to how much longer boomers are going to be watching legacy news, not trying to be macabre, but it's just the facts. So, yeah, I think uh, attitudes are positive because, um, you know, you've got the richest man in the world allowing Alex Jones to freely talk about the global elite. You know, I listened to that whole interview, and um, it, was, it was good overall. Of course, you had the normie kind of guys coming in and rehearsing the same stuff. Well, when are you going to talk about? uh andy hook <laughs> it's like i've already talked about uh, i've already talked about it Talked about it in the first hour the guy kept bringing it up well i want to talk about it again what 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 are you going to do about these people and, and it's like you they're never going to let that go and i think everybody's kind of tired of hearing about it um it's really the mainstream media that continues to bring it up uh but i think that um when it comes to that conversation that interview is that's probably going to be the media event of the year i'm guessing so far maybe Maybe something Tucker does, I don't know. But Alex and Tucker are kind of, kind of dominating. I think they're going to be the dominant uh, forces in the coming year for for media. I think the Trump administration probably wants that to be the case. They want them there because, sure, they think that that's going to be the the key linchpin for their support reaching, uh, you know, the masses as happened in the last election or the the two elections back. I should say. I think Infowars played a key role in Trump getting elected, but we also know that at that same time that's uh if you look at the integrity initiative leaks that came out that that's why they ran the Pgate, the christopher steele dossier was because they felt like the establishment felt like if they allowed another victory uh for somebody who's who's at least symbolic of <clears throat> populism this would be tremendously problematic for the entire globalist agenda so that's what, that's what their actual white paper said so they had to run whatever they could <clears throat> doesn't mean I put all my hopes in Trump. Um, I don't put all my hopes in Elon Musk or any any single hero figure. But I think that these these kinds of things become symbolic and it's time for people to, you know, really step up to the plate and put out hardcore information. And I think that's what you're doing. That's what we're doing.
1: Well, we're certainly trying. And and I just saw today uh, in the news that Hillary Clinton has been brought in to help out with the Joe Biden campaign. what, what do are, are we, what, what are, what are we suppose that means i mean every time the clintons help out with things uh you know it gets a lot worse <laughs> than, than it was before and that's putting it mildly do what do you think hillary yeah. is hillary going to put on a joe biden mask or what are we what are we doing here
3: uh that's a good question i mean <clears throat> maybe she's consulting on all the satanic temple statues going up and the cosmopolitan uh, satanic abortion prayer i mean although i I mean hillary seems to be a very witchy character to me so i don't know what she could bring to the table i mean they seem to really be out of touch and um, i'm good friends with uh colonel mcgregor's son cameron mcgregor and we've done some podcasts and he spends a lot of time in the circles of like the dc uh you know politico people and he says that they're just completely out of touch. Now, I don't think the global elite that are studying and, and trying to manage the technocracy, they're not out of touch. I think they're looking at the data and trying to socially engineer us, but the political class just seems to be way out to lunch. I mean, they're they're as out, out to lunch as Biden is out, to, out of his consciousness, so.
1: Yeah, well, luckily, <laughs> Kamala Harris is here to explain to us time, space, and electric yellow school buses. I saw she school did bus. a, she, she, she gave a a a Presentation. I use that term very loosely, and uh, and she was pontificating about the 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 is and the is not and what we see and the things that we don't see. And I felt like throwing myself off of a building midway through her sentence because it's just difficult to it's difficult to understand where she's going. It's very difficult to connect with these people. And I think if you're going to run for a position of high office, you the the population needs to see a little bit of themselves in you. And unfortunately, I think you're right. I think these people are very detached from reality. Let's dip out for a minute for just one quick moment to get a news break. We'll be back with Jay Dyer after this. Now, TNT Radio News.
0: It's hot, See, It's very hot. It's hot news. So hot. Yeah, it's hot news. Hot news.
1: For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. The U.S. Supreme Court has directed former President Donald Trump to submit a response to a petition by special counsel Jack Smith. A recent peer reviewed study in Japan, published in the Curious Journal on December 7th, found that approximately 70% of deaths in Japan following Pfizer COVID 19 vaccination occurred within the first 10 days after receiving
0: the vaccine. On air and on the app. I
2: listen on the app.
0: Stay up to date around the clock. I listen. Therefore, I know. Today's News Talk Radio TNT.
1: Back with Jay Dyer. The best place to find him is jaysanalysis.com. Jay, let's get right into your wheelhouse. Uh, The new Obama-connected film, Leave the World Behind, has come out, which features the kind of uh, attack, a cyber attack in which the general public is kind of forced to, oh, I don't know, go off into the woods and fend for themselves. Now, you really know when it when it comes to films, when it comes to the symbolic natures of it, predictive programming, you're definitely my guy to talk to about uh things like this. What do you make of this film? Where are we going?
3: Yeah, this one was pretty wild. I did watch it a couple of nights ago. <clears throat> it's um it wasn't really the movie that I expected. Um, I, I expected it to be a lot worse of a movie, just in terms of a film. I'm not talking about the propaganda. The propaganda was way over the top, but just as a movie. I'm thinking Obamas are involved in the production of it. I mean, this is going to be terrible, right? (laughs) But uh, it actually wasn't as bad as I thought, just as a movie. However, the propaganda was way over the top. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and spoil it. Uh, But basically, you have this, uh, I guess it's like a cyber polygon type of event where the electrical grid goes down. People don't know what's going on. These these sort of unknown EMP-ish type things start happening where you get these, sound attacks or these sort of vibrations that jar people and they don't know what's going on. It's very disorienting. Uh, Then it's this struggle between different classes of people kind of middle class people, upper class people, um, different races of people, some of them uh, better than others, just because of their race. Obviously, Uh, that propaganda was all there. Um, So the ultimate message was basically uh it was kind of confusing because the ending has to do with like fighting over a bunker and they end up humans end up fighting against each other and they never actually get to the bunker so we don't actually know if they make it there but the little girl makes it to the bunker and she just wants to watch dvds of friends so i don't know again i don't know what the point of that was It's, it's sort of like we're longing for some 1980s or 90s that never really existed, they say in the in the movie. There never really was a nineties, like in Friends, they say. So there's this longing for stability, normal living that the movie is saying doesn't exist, it's never coming back. This is the new reality, is going to be uh survival, right? A kind of great reset. And if you think about what the great reset was, what it's intended to be, it's a going back to um, you know, necessities going back to, uh, supposedly living in harmony, harmony with nature and not producing so much CO2 and not having too many offspring and all, all the stuff that the, uh, Malthusian austerity ghouls want to push this movie really says that that's where we're going. And we're going to have to go there because, you know, this is really how we're going to survive. Um, it was also unclear. The movie didn't say who it was. I was expecting, oh, it's going to be Trump supporters that shut the power grid down or whatever, uh, which it wasn't that. Although Kevin Bacon does kind of play the MAGA Trump kind of dude who is. He's really the only villain in the movie is the the Kevin Bacon character. So um, he doesn't want to share his uh, medicine with the other people who get get uh, infected and sick. So so it's an apocalypse uh, that's basically nihilistic and telling you that the only way we're going to survive is Uh, If we uh, let uh, other people rule us, if we listen to the the establishment, listen to the government, do what we're told, and we might make it through the crisis is really the whole message of the movie. But I mean, it's pretty much a cyber polygon type of great reset.
1: I heard that the culprit were Iranians wearing Make America Great Again hats. Is there any truth to that rumor?
3: Well, they don't know. Well, they don't say who the culprit is. And so what happens as the movie progresses is that supposedly the enemy drops flyers uh, as to who it is. And the first flyers that you see are written in Arabic and they think it's Iranian, but then they're told later on in the film, somebody says, well, they were dropping flyers in California saying it was the Koreans, the North, I guess, North Koreans. So the, oh then goodness. they say, well, then that was all disinformation. And so basically we're never told who the, the enemies were.
1: I like that even when I'm kidding I'm still kind of half right about the outcome of the movie that it that they did they did in fact try to make it out to to be Iranians never miss an opportunity right Well to, they they do mention demonize the your, yeah, your, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> they just they, they've got this playbook and they're not very creative but i'll tell you what man we we've we've gone through you and i've had these discussions before about predictive programming there's something to this i understand that there's there's one side of things and you can say well hollywood writers maybe they're not the most you know you would think that they're extremely creative people but when you see some of the junk that comes out of hollywood it's really not the most creative so maybe they're just operating off of the current zeitgeist right whatever they think may be happening but a lot of these scripts, you know, go, go through the Department of Defense for script approval, too. If you're using military uh, facilities or you're using an aircraft carrier or you're using something like that, you have to get sign off by the DOD itself. So so is it. Is, is it possible that this is uh, set up to be predictive programming to get us in that frame of mind where we're starting to consider the possibility that maybe the grid's going to go out? We do have the uh, we have the World Economic Forum putting out an article in October 20, uh, 2022, just a little over a year ago, co- titled, What Happens When the Internet Shuts Down? Not if, not if the Internet shuts down, when the Internet shuts down. So my question is this predictive programming?
3: I would vote yes. I mean, I don't know exactly how it'll play out. <clears throat> and in the, in the film, there's a lot of different attack scenarios that occur. So there's, um, as you said, there's like a, <clears throat> a weird EMP event that occurs the, the internet goes down. They say that it's cyber hackers at the beginning. So, but it's never identified as to who that group is. Uh, we get the impression that um, there's uh, an EMP that is shutting down all the airplanes and all the, the vehicles. Uh, all of the Teslas go crazy because they're self-driving, and so they basically drive themselves and crash. <laughs> so, so I, I guess that was a dig at Elon. I don't know, but um, <clears throat> there's a lot of different, uh, and there's the sound attack, which is never explained. But um, I would say that yeah, like that. That's that's a probably a good bet for propaganda but i wouldn't make my bet on what's going to happen on the basis of a movie it's just that a lot of times we can see this kind of preparation and uh, i guess you could say coaxing of people into accepting the scenarios when they come through fiction and that's a big role for fiction all the way back to uh you know british fiction writers used to do this uh last century they would do it very very early on in the century they would write the fiction versions of the real events because they couldn't write what really happened due to the official secrets act in the uk so a lot of spy fiction at that time was de- was describing real events people like graham green and others so the same idea occurs with um using fiction as a kind of propaganda at this level uh and i definitely think that with obama being involved in the production of the film um you know with I mean, I don't think Obama's at the top of the pyramid, but he's definitely an operative and, uh, you know, one who works for this agenda 100%. Um, I think that it's there's a good likelihood that this is absolutely pretty programming. like you said, most big blockbuster type films are typically consulted on or have at least some degree of intentional propaganda on the part of CIA, the Pentagon, the NSA, et cetera. <laughs> Yeah, I, and let's
1: not forget, of course, that Obama signed and passed the smith Modernization Act of 2012, which legalized propaganda. propaganda to be to be used inside America on Americans. And I, re- it takes me back to uh, an article Whitney Webb wrote right before the 2020 election, where she said that they were role-playing uh, what would happen if if. Uh, self-driving Teslas were hijacked and driven into the people that were standing in line, waiting to vote. So this is all, already sort of a, a use. That's, <laughs> that,
3: yeah.
1: that's so funny. I haven't seen the movie yet. I'm going to, I'm going to have to check it out because it sounds like it's something that's right up my alley. Maybe not the feel good Christmas movie that you're looking for. Oh, well, listen, with George,
3: George, listen, listen. I'll, I'll talk to you, George. Uh When I do the role role playing, uh, we role play with, Uh, Michelle playing a man Uh, she plays Michael my wife Uh, that's that's kind of role-playing we do do you like my Obama what do you think
1: Love your Obama. I, I just wish I didn't have to see him uh, as often as I do on television. I wish he would go away like the way uh, some of these former presidents went away. That's Jay Dyer, everybody. You can go check out his work at jaysanalysis.com. Thanks, Jay. We appreciate you so much. We'll see you next yeah, time. Yeah, and if you're
3: interested uh, in uh, predictive programming, you can get my books at Jay's Analysis in the shop.
1: There you go. Esoteric Hollywood. If you want to know what's really going on behind the scenes in Hollyweird, Jay knows what's happening. We'll be back on the other side of this break with Mel K. Stay tuned. This is TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT
0: Radio's Steve Malzberg. Uh
3: Uh-oh. Someone on the staff of Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee of Texas screwed up big time. She's running for mayor of Houston. And, well, before we get to the details, here's how she treats her staff or has treated them in the past when they screw up. I need to uh,
2: ensure my um, schedule. And, uh, you know, if Boo Boo did it, shit have did it, fuck face did it,
0: and nobody knows a goddamn thing in my office.
3: Okay, now watch this.
2: Houston, I've spent my entire career fighting for you. From fighting to keep our kids safe from guns when I was on city council, to my days in Congress fighting to protect women's reproductive freedom, and for funding for our police, schools, and small businesses. Now I'm running to be your mayor, because if we're going to bring down crime, fix our streets, and bring good paying jobs here, then Houston needs a champion who's ready to fight for what's right, and I am.
0: Did you see that at the end? It said, vote on December 7th, let's put that up. Vote on December 7th. Problem is, the vote, is on December 9th. Let me say it again,
3: Uh uh-oh. Thanks for giving me a minute, I'm Steve Malzberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday,
0: 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT Radio Vision.
3: Hi, I'm Abel. I often forget to mention that he's an amputee because Abel will try any activity he can. My arm helps me with basically everything. He doesn't see what he can't do, he sees what he can do.
4: Yeah,
3: this is helping. The War Amps has just given
0: him the ability to do all the activities every kid can do.
4: When you donate to the War Amps, you help kids like me. Thank you
0: today's conversation charlie robinson on today's news talk tnt radio tnt radio
1: we are back for the final segment of the charlie robinson show hey if you want to connect with me you can do so on twitter at macroaggressions you can find my podcast macroaggressions in audio format wherever they are served, or maybe go over to rumble and find it there where you'll also find the mel k show joining me right the host of the Mel Kay Show. My good friend, Mel. Hey, Mel, how are you? What's shaking in the world?
4: Oh, wow. I'm excited to be here. Like I said, today I'm on your show and tonight you're on my show. So this is very exciting. Double dose. And uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for your show. This is super exciting.
1: Well, thanks for coming on. And I know that you're a good person to have whenever we want to talk about things, especially kind of leading up to the elections, because you've been watching all this nonsense for a while. I'll tell you what, this last Republican debate, I don't normally get into debates or anything like that, but it was an interesting thing that happened. Apparently there was an eight minute segment when Vivek Vivek Ramaswamy was talking that was censored. And it was interesting because when you find the portion that didn't make it to the national broadcast, it's pretty revealing because he went scorched earth on vaccines on vaccine injury and vaccine liability even dragging out the 1986 uh, vaccine adverse effects reporting system that was put into place under Ronald Reagan and he said I got my problems with Ronald Reagan you know I, I love him but uh, this was one of the the issues in which he dropped the ball are you at all surprised that they censored this because it doesn't really seem like too much of a stretch to me
4: no, and, and also the excuses are are so lame that there was technical difficulties for that piece at that time. It's it's like they keep lying and we know that they're lying and they know that we know that they're lying. It's just, it's a show. Uh, I really do like, uh, obviously, what he said. I agree with that 100%. I especially like what he said about uh, lobbying, which I think should be totally illegal. It is, it is totally, uh, legalized bribery. And the biggest reason we, the people have no power in this country, in my opinion, are the lobbyists and, uh, and obviously the NGOs, the globalist billionaire oligarchy that run them all. I mean, we, what he's talking about is the powers that be. And that's also the same problem with big pharma. Those people are all in bed. I loved what he said about, You know, you shouldn't be able to leave government and then go have a seat on the board of Boeing or have a seat uh, or leave the FDA and go right to Pfizer, because that is what is going on. What we are dealing with is the same globalist billionaire oligarchy that have fully captured our country, the whole debating system, the whole uh voting system as you and i've talked about we're not going to vote ourselves out of this we have to actually pull these you know deep-rooted honestly like cancers within our country out from the core and destroy them and one of them is this money in dc that uh, has completely silenced the voter we don't have any say in dc anymore because of exactly what he was saying
1: yeah and the citizens united decision of years ago where they granted corporations the right to to just f- finance these uh candidates with as much money as they want i mean you can i would say that democracy if they're there whatever that means and whatever was left of it was put uh, was was put to death after that when you allow citizens the ability to to vote and then of course we got the mitt romney citizens are people too my friends. i mean it's absurd and preposterous of course but But it's also Washington, D.C., so it's kind of right on schedule. If we were to get rid of the lobbying, uh, I do love that he said, you know, you could sit on the board of Boeing and then turns and looks right at Nikki Haley. And she's just like, you know, because the the stories of what Nikki Haley's financial situation, which normally if if it's just a general you know, uh, person out there, not in the public eye, I would say it's none of our business. But she's made it our business because she talked about how she came out of office essentially broke. And now she's working for Boeing as a sitting on their board and is worth what? What did I see last time? Sixteen million dollars. That's pretty fast. How? And, and and all you had to do was just uh, push for the destruction of regions of the planet. No big deal, right? To just drop bombs on kids. So uh, what a disgusting scumbag Nikki Haley is. And I and I was gr- I, I was grateful to see that Vivek took her out to the woodshed. Yeah.
4: Me too. Me too. And I have to say, on top of that, I think what we talk about a lot, the the American people have to just really just understand that... We, there is no right and left, Republican and Democrat. We have to stand now as American citizens uh, together, because I do not believe that um, we are in a normal period of time. Everything that we're seeing, the, the Constitution seems suspended, the Bill of Rights, I don't even know what people know what that is anymore, or uh, everything with the border, overseas, all of this. And we also have to take responsibility for what's going on in foreign countries at this point, because I'll tell you right now, I look at Uh, the Belt and Road Initiative. I look at uh, what they've done there, all of that. I look at the BRICS nations and I say, we should not be in a position right now where it's us against them. We should be in a Trying to figure out how to work together with everyone to avoid World War Three. And we have this corrupt, disgusting global public private partnership that seems hell bent on World War Three when the people don't want this. And I look back like you brought up about um, about Citizens United or some of these things that happened in that time period. Something bad happened uh, also around that PNAC time period that we're paying for now. You know, we could have easily countered the Belt and Road Initiative by us being the ones to say, no, no, no. We'll we'll build your ports and your infrastructure and give you clean water and refineries, and we'll export freedom and liberty and all this other stuff with it. And instead, we went full military, uh, and now what we're looking at is the military-industrial complex is the only uh, thing sustaining our nation. On my show, I did a whole thing on how much money they've made, how much money they're making. We're one of the only countries where our military gets our taxpayer dollars to the what now they want almost a trillion dollars in the next budget. And at the same time, it's traded on Wall Street with people. The United States really have to take it upon ourselves to look at everything and and take responsibility for our part in it, I think, at this point and and get together where we do agree, because I think most of us agree that all of this stuff needs to stop and it's not going to stop in Washington, D.C.
1: No, and when Smedley Butler wrote War is a Racket, he wasn't kidding. It's disgusting the the amount of money that is made profiting off of this death. And let's pivot to what's going on in the situation with Israel and the Palestinians. They have murdered 86 Palestinian journalists since October 7th. The White House is silent, just as they are with the slow killing of Julian Assange. No surprise there. If I didn't know any better, I would think that free and open press wasn't a real high priority of the United States government. What do you think about that?
4: Oh, it's not at all. I have a friend that lives in Serbia, but he's an American citizen, just like uh, Gondarra. And uh, what they're doing is they're picking off uh, journalists around the world that are going against the regime, uh, the Obiden regime, as I call them. But we know that they're just a globalist, billionaire oligarchy regime that are sitting in uh, the vassal state known as D.C. And I'll tell you right now, I just had a conversation with my friend and he was saying he got a he got a letter from the Treasury Department. He got a letter from the State Department. He's a journalist and he got another letter We all within the last year and a half from the o biden regime about uh warning him that uh they are basically watching him and he uh, he's a journalist in serbia like I, i'm telling you right now that we are uh, this country is out of control and you know what we were talking about too is they they're not hiding it the fbi which is completely rogue i, d- I don't even understand how the american people aren't finding unity in this complete insanity that is going on but the FBI, I'm sure you you and your audience know, put out a new uh, a press release about a new movement, the FBI anti-government, anti-authority, like wing of the agency. And this is who is going after journalists, I am told, around the world. Like in America, we're not seeing it because they have to do it covertly here. They silence you, they censor you, they smear you. You know, I'm glad Elon and other people are going after Media Matters, who are the, the kings of that. But... I believe that this, what's happening to the Palestinian journalists, is happening to journalists everywhere in the world. We we know about the kill list uh, out of Ukraine. Uh, that kill list of journalists out of Ukraine, some of our friends are even on it. I'll tell you right now, it's not from Ukraine. You know, it's from the CIA or the FBI. I don't know, but certainly somebody involved in the public-private partnership that runs America. So this is a very big deal, and it's why people need to really start uh, understanding That it's us now, but it's going to keep going. But, you know, I don't know if people are really getting it that are still matrix of the of the fake, very fake Intel media
1: you know i think that they they mistakenly believe that every journalist is like anderson cooper you know when he's got his t-shirt on and he's out there reporting from the the hurricane or the flood or the big fire and he's out on the street you know they 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 they, they envision these corporate journalists that always come home you know in in one piece and they never see any any real pr- problems absent maybe bob woodworth uh, but uh, a couple of years ago but but for the vast majority of the people that are actually on the ground reporting from these events they're in real danger if you are re- reporting from gaza you are in imminent danger you are at the risk of, and we and we have we have friends i have we have journalist friends in the middle east I, I know that i have had conversations with vanessa bealy in beirut and she says you know we've got to wrap this interview up because they're turning the power off because this is what they do so so they've created scenarios in which actual journalists Repressed, and in this sort of uh, junk food journalism of corporate news is uh, re- you know takes over and carries the weight. But I think that the wheels are falling off. Mel, do you get the sense that the general public is kind of over this whole thing? Like, there's only so many lies you can tell about COVID or, or Donald Trump or whoever before the, even the, the most dumbed down, uh, consumer of this information just starts to go, you know, none of this is making much sense to me. It feels very inauthentic and fake. Is there, is the tide turning with the mainstream media?
4: Uh, I definitely think so. And I also think that we have to realize this purge has been coming a long time. I, I believe that most of it, a lot of this purge in the media started um, under Obama and has continued on along the way. But I do believe what you're talking about. I call him Anderson Vanderbilt, but, um, I, I, you know, and, and he spent some time in the in the agencies as well. But I, I have to say like the, that's you know, the, those front people, but I'm telling you, they have gotten rid of a lot of the journalists that actually wrote the news for NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN years ago, the, the real journalists. Now, these are all kids that are coming out of Harvard and Yale. You know, we're seeing what they are that are running these newsrooms. And, and the truth is that not only have they dumbed them down, but the whole diet of Marxism and also SEL and and CRT and being politically correct, people read it as false is phony. Also, I do think finally there is some, uh, you know, hit back against the full on, uh, you know, America is evil. Capitalism is evil. White people are evil. This is America's the problem. Like people are, I think are totally sick of it. They just, I I think the whole race thing has come to a head and it's, it's gone the other way. They just have overplayed their hand. And then I think the the biggest sign of all of that is that everyone knows that this Korean Jean-Pierre is and lies without any impunity. She knows that we know that she's lying. She doesn't care. She is so arrogant and so dismissive and rude. She hates the American people. If you see the people that actually have passes to sit in front of her, it is a, like a diversity, equity, inclusion, like um, right out of like Columbia Journalism School of all places. There, is, there are no real reporters even in front of her and the ones that are get ignored. But if that's the that's supposed to be the cream of the crop, well, no, no, no. And like I said, I think most people out there, and you know, I travel a lot. Most people out there know something is terribly wrong and they are starting to figure out what is wrong by looking at what matters to them. And now, right now, it doesn't matter what matters to you. You're going to find something wrong with it if it's coming from this government.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, the diversity hire with her notebook, it's, uh, it's not fooling anybody. And when they bring that sociopath, John Kirby, off the bench from the State Department, he looks like a guy that's trying to sell you a timeshare someplace. I mean, these are the least trustworthy people I've ever encountered. Let's wrap up with this, uh, Mel. Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson tries to stop the flow of illegals into the city of Chicago by... suing the bus companies instead. Oh my goodness. It's like we thought when we got rid of Lori Lightfoot, that gremlin, that we were going to be, you know, that maybe things would turn around. But instead they have brought in, again, the dumbest person in the world to try and run Chicago. If I didn't know, any better i would think they were intentionally trying to destroy the city from the inside but but that couldn't possibly be mel right right please tell uh, me
4: right right <laughs> no no i mean what's so crazy is who is voting for these people so if you don't think that there's any election issues he- who are voting for these people? And this is the same thing in New York with the, with the Democratic Socialists of America. They're socialists. But again, they're all, who is voting for these people? And, and that should ask you a lot of questions there. The greatest part about Chicago, and I'd like to see how this works out. The DNC convention is in Chicago this year. Um, and I believe Michelle Obama is the speaker, but... I will tell you, I keep seeing Obama, you know, he has that big um, $350 million Obama foundation there. Like they they took out a whole bunch of, uh, of, of, you know, low-income housing to put in his giant monstrosity there. And he's up there and he's having all these events and speeches in Chicago. Uh, there are, they're training hundreds, if not thousands of children uh, in these programs at the Obama Institute there, the Obama foundation that run by right now by Valerie Jarrett. Um, and I am telling you, whatever is going on in Chicago, uh, people should really be looking at it because that guy comes out on stage two weeks ago to to give awards out for fifteen years of the of the Obama Foundation in Chicago, and his whole speech was about inclusive capitalism. You know, you know his old pals like Bill Ayers and Marshall Davis and all that. Whatever is going on in this country that has to do with communism and the destruction of America i think it's centered right there in the obama um in the obama shrine up in up in chicago right now and i think they're pumping out uh people to continue down this path so we really have to realize that if that's going on in chicago and that's the mayor of chicago a&b are related uh you know right now i think the obama's and their friends are running chicago so and then you got pritzker you know what he is um, you know, it's sad for them. It's sad for everyone. I had to leave New York, as you know. I mean, I I've thought about it for a long time, but it became untenable to live there anymore. And, um, you know, we the people of the United States have to stop thinking each other are the enemies and really look at who the enemies really are because they don't hide it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's good advice. And if you're in Chicago, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to vote your way out of it. It's been this way for a long time with the the Democrats running things. And I'm no Republican uh, fan, but uh, the Democrats have a, a certain flavor of that's uh, I don't know. It doesn't really uh, match well with what I'm uh, I'm looking for. That's yeah. Mel K everybody. If you're if you uh, go over to Rumble tonight and check out the, uh, the Mel K show. I'll be her guest if you're not yes. sick of me already, but uh, uh, you can you can check me out over there on the Mel K show. And um and also big thanks to Jay Dyer in the first part what? of the show who came on and broke down the m- new movie Leave the World Behind. Of course, that must be- Obama. It was it was helped by Obama as well. See how we bring these things back full circle? Oh, everybody. I'm just telling you, it's crazy world out there. Thanks, Mel. We'll talk to you next time, and I'll be back tomorrow, Thanks. 2 p.m. Eastern. You can find me here. Don't go anywhere. This is TNT Radio.